Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Collider Heroes is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans. Join at DCUniverse.com and get sucked into new original series like the highly touted Titans or catch up on favorites like Krypton Season 1. Starting May 31st, jump into new episodes of Swamp Thing, dropping weekly, and follow Abby Arcane as she investigates what seems to be a deadly swamp-borne virus in a small town in Louisiana and soon discovers that the swamp holds mystical and terrifying secrets. You can also get your comic book fix with thousands of new comic titles just added to an already impressive comic library. This includes more recent titles and complete storylines like Superman's Secret Origin, the 2011 run of Batman, and Harley Quinn from 2013. Also available on the platform are tons of the classic DC movies we love, like Batman and the original Superman movie. If animated films are more your speed, sign up now because Reign of the Superman and Justice League vs. the Fatal Five are now available. DC Universe is available on your favorite devices. So if you were thinking about it before, now's definitely the time. Join and get a year's worth of DC content at DCUniverse.com. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. 
Because right now, when you order from Napa Online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Welcome back to Giant Size Heroes. It is number five. We are fully living in this format where we get to say and do whatever we want is how I understand it. Including crime. (laughs) I'm starting to give Corey (laughs) shit about advocating great uh, bad life advice on Giant Size Heroes. Avengers Endgame is a mere millions away from being number one of all time. And I'm just saying if you had an employee or friend that works in a movie theater, passes count. I'm just saying. I'm just – I'm helping. Or perhaps you've already seen it six times and want to see another movie sneaking into movies is not that hard so speaking of doing crimes let's get right into today's topics because we have a lot to get through on this week's giant size heroes first of all we have a new trailer and this is look this is my favorite thing my favorite thing is you did not know this was a comic book movie and i am here to tell you that this is a comic book movie what are some of your favorites before we go into the trailer uh 30 days of night is one of those uh, road to perdition is one of those uh ghost world is one of those usually it's like the the indie adaptations no one sees coming uh but we're adding to that the next big crime story from dc vertigo dc's vertigo imprint uh the kitchen Got a trailer this week. That, of course, was a comic book series by Ollie Masters and Ming Doyle, who's an amazing artist, uh, and is coming coming to a theater near you. What'd you think of it? I mean, it looks not like a comic property unless you know, so it is that sneaky thing they do. But I liked how overly stylized it was because that's so comic-y. Yeah. Like, I, I appreciated the fact it didn't feel comic-y, but it felt like the over-the-top style. Kind of like, um, what is that? Uh, uh, not Umbrella Academy, the... Mm, the assassin school. Uh, Deadly punch, Class. Deadly Class. Deadly Class doesn't feel necessarily comic booky, but it has the stylized nature of a comic book. Mm. So it, it had that flavor for me. I always love Paint It Black and anything. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it, it uses the song very powerfully like that song needs to be. Uh, and I think that most people won't realize it's a comic, and that might bring people to Vertigo Comics. And there are rumors that Vertigo is shutting down. Uh, as of this morning. Um, Whoa, so. Boy. I just broke this to Amy. Uh, uh, since they're rumors, I didn't know if we wanted to talk about them. But they're rumors. Um, so I hope that this can bring people to Vertigo because it's one of my favorite. What if I don't let them because I've decided I'm in charge of that and it would be a crime? I'm not saying you're at DC every week and you can do some sort of sabotage. And <laughs> For maybe... the record, I'm not actually in the DC building and have no power. Uh, I but... think that Amy is the DC building because she is the head of DC and that she is going to fix Vertigo On by breaking into DC. On a very ego the living planet level, yes, I am. <laughs> Uh, I am the DC building. I contain many stories. All I'm saying is there's got to be some sort of paperwork that you can burn to make it look like certain money is being made for Vertigo that can do well. (laughs) And if you're nearby, it's not that hard. Crime! Uh, Crime! So The Kitchen is a story about uh, three women in the late 70s in Hell's Kitchen whose husbands are away for crimes, uh, and they step up to start handling business. And it's being made with Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, and uh, and, uh, Elizabeth Moss. Uh, And so it looks like it's going to be rad. And I just love, you know, honestly, getting adapted is not the reason to make comics. The reason to make comics is to make comics. Uh, But uh, 
But if you are going to make comics, it doesn't suck to have Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish and Elizabeth Moss come by and bring it to life. Yeah, it's, it's like the X-Men movies where they cast these incredible thespians that are like, I always maintain they make these great mutant movies and not great X-Men movies. But it feels like that. Like, you're going to cast these powerhouse women. That's the way to make this an approachable property that doesn't have to just be comic fans. I think it looks great. <laughs> All right. So uh, also in big movie news, since we talked last week, we have gone from probably official to really, really, really 100% official. The director is tweeting out a gif of your face, so it probably is real. Koi, what do we got? That was literally the moment I was like, I accept this is real. I didn't, for some <laughs> reason, Warner Brothers saying it, Deadline saying it, I was like, nah, I need to see it. And for then the record, Matt Reeves, we're talking about Robert Pattinson as Batman. Yes. Uh, Robert Pattinson, good time, GIF being the announcement from Matt Reeves was everything I needed because it shows not only is it the movie that we've all been like, well, this is proving how good he is, but that Matt Reeves is like, stop Twilight tweeting me. I get it. Look at his actual work. Look at no one's reading so much into this gift selection. I figured he was just like, <laughs> I need a gif of him looking tired and broody. Done. I, I see it as a subtext about Twilight, his further evolution as an actor. Look, his he's a ability. film director. He should be layering his images with meaning. Maybe it did carry all of this. Full credit, Matt. Matt Reeves made the, the ape movies. He's got subtext yeah. for days. Read into like, okay, so what does it tell us that he used what? Was it two bad emojis or three? And what would it mean if it were three? I, I I think it is about him being a broken Batman, a Batman <laughs> from beyond the veil, a a dark and brooding but not quite Batfleck Batman. I think we're going to get a Neil Adams Batman from that gif. I think from that gif I'm seeing a certain <laughs> framework of Batman. Uh, definitely, uh, I think it says Arkham all over it. I think it says multiple villains. I think it – just making things up. <laughs> We are off to the races uh, analyzing emoji selection uh, because it's all we have. Uh, it's all we have is being excited about Batman. I'm so excited about Pattinson. I have been since February. It's been a long time of like coiled up hype. So now that it's real, I can like let that flag fly. Uh, I think that anyone that doesn't – actually, this is a, a Twitter question, so I might even answer this later. Um, but anyone that doesn't know Pattinson's work should watch The Rover, Good Time, Cosmopolis, and uh, the the one with the Z in the title, uh, The Lost Island of Z. And those movies will show you the shape of what I think his Bruce Wayne and Batman is going to be. And I really think he's going to be incredible. I This is – I'm from Boston and I love Batfleck and I wasn't upset about this casting. So it had to be good. If you're going <laughs> to replace my boy, it's got to be great and I think this is great. Uh, I am in no way Googling the story that Corey told me about earlier, uh, which is evolving as we speak, uh, but is not yet official. I just but rumor, rumor, rumor. Y'all, if it turns out to be real, we're doing an hour on Vertigo next week. After um, she's burned the files. <laughs> uh yeah, honestly, I, I was I was always sort of positive and neutral on this when you and Roxy have pushed me over into actively excited yes. um, as someone who's been missing some of these other performances. But there's, you know, there it's it is just one of those interesting like Batman will always be generational because Batman is going to keep being Batman as the rest of us change and grow and and you know get older. Um, and it is interesting to sort of be like to reach a point where like Michael Keaton was tremendously read as as like. Grown up, well established uh, to to baby Amy in a way that like it's just interesting to have a different relationship with Batman now mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to sort of see like oh I could I could meet that person I mean right. I'm not going to meet Robert Pattinson like buying groceries he's lovely um, but uh, <laughs> it's it is just an interesting it's one element is whoever was going to step in as a younger Batman is going to face some level of dissonance as we all look at that sort of being like huh yeah. 
He's also someone that really reads into his work. Um, he hated the fact that Stephanie Myers wrote – I'm not even going to insult Stephanie Myers. The way those books are written was not what he wanted to be a part of, but he knew that a franchise was necessary. So if you watch some of his old interviews about Twilight, he's invested in the source material and then had to give up on the source material because it wasn't for him. So I'm excited for how much he dives into Batman, like the mythos. I guarantee he'll read the comics and we'll have interviews where he talks about like which arc reflected this and how he was influenced by this. Like He's one of the actors that really invest in their characters and invests in the source material. So I have a lot of faith in him as an actor and the type of actor he'll be as Batman. Yeah. And uh, for the record, somebody did the math, and he's not going to be the youngest to play Batman, mm-hmm. just younger than, than Affleck and some of the other choices. Um, yeah, who was the youngest? Direction. I feel like they, they they figured out it was Bale, not by much. But, okay. Because uh, uh, by the time he films or whatever. On that. Yeah, Bale was young, people forget, and Bale is a very iconic Batman. And Bale also was, like, not – he was an American psycho in certain things, but he wasn't an established as one thing or another thing. I, I really – Guys, they're actors. They're acting. Let them act. Like, I just, the associations and everything. As long as he doesn't, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's perfect. Speaking of actors getting to act, we have some really fun things in what I'm calling Rumor Corner uh, coming up. Some maybe people getting to do their thing in new playgrounds, like a, a rumor that says maybe we're getting a certain Benicio del Toro. For Suicide Squad? Yes! Bring him, James Gunn. Bring him from the Guardians over to the suicide. If you're Benicio Del Toro, you're like, I'm going to stop in Star Wars, I'm going to hop in the MCU, and round it out with a little bit of DC. Deserves it. Yeah, why Like, not? he's incredible. Watch Sicario. Watch, watch. There's so much good Benicio Del Toro out there. He can play so many things. He is such a chameleon. And he's so interesting to watch. He's just a fascinating character. <laughs> and I really want him in more things. I also wanted to play Ra's al Ghul. Uh, if you saw my fan cast, he's my Raz. And I, I think it, I think DC definitely, I'd love to see a DC property with Benicio Del Toro in there anytime. Uh, we also, rumor-wise, uh, it is being in- hinted that Id- Idris Elba uh, may be playing Bronze Tiger. We know he's a lead in Suicide Squad, but we have not known exactly what role he's going to play. It seems like a good fit, a natural fit. He's probably going to bring good physicality to that. Uh, yeah, it seems like the obvious choice, so I don't know if the rumor is... I don't know if it's a rumor because it's obvious or a rumor because someone heard it. Like, it's one of those rumors where it's like, this guy looks like this character, perhaps they're them. Yeah, and that's the tricky thing about dealing in these rumors is that you really really don't know which things are someone making educated guesses and which things are based on information. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, we also got a rumor that the Supergirl movie is moving forward. We don't know whether that comes from somebody just revisiting the list of past announcements or whether it comes from uh, somebody actively saying something is moving on that behind the scenes. Uh, I'm obviously going to be there for any and all Supergirl movie when that happens. Corey, what do you think? I'm He's in, shrugging because we don't know. <laughs> It's such a rumor that, like, my brain hasn't gone, like, mm, think Without about that. Without a director or a <laughs> cast or a world or a writer or, like, it's tough to get Any to, sort of feels. Yeah. Uh, I also, I will not rest until I know whether Henry Cavill is out. So, like, for me, Henry Cavill is Superman until I hear otherwise. So, for me to get excited about Supergirl, I'm going, what's his cousin doing? Like, for me, I want to hear Henry Cavill's take on his cousin Supergirl. So, mm. I'm coming from a place of Cavill, and that puts me in a tricky spot to get excited about Supergirl without how that's going to translate. It's like, uh, you know, they cast Uncle Ben, but who's Spider-Man? They, mm. they cast, like, it's such a piece. Like, to me, Supergirl and Superman are so integral to each other that I don't know what the other piece is. It's like when they announce these, like, it's like a Robin movie without Batman. Like, I, I think both characters are vital, but 
Supergirl I know through Superman. And I'm not saying you need Superman in a Supergirl movie. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying in my headcanon until I know what universe they're diving into, it doesn't feel real. I have made very similar – like I'm, I'm – my instinct is always to be a contrarian and be like, Supergirl's her own thing. But also I've had very much your same response when it was sort of like we're doing all this Gotham stuff but we didn't know what was happening with Batman. I just want a, mm-hmm. a foundation first. And that, that's all I'm saying. And you don't even have to have Superman in the movie. I just need the foundation of knowledge. Okay. Speaking of uh, rumors that we're excited about. And I'm we just have... going to end all my sentences weirdly so Amy is trying to tangent. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I need a foundation of knowledge. How do I bring from a that A foundation of next... knowledge like you might have if you have a very long life, like, say, eternal. <laughs> uh, some eternal kind of, of eternal or uh, a, you know, what I love about this next rumor is that at a certain point, uh, casting this person as just a weird, inspiring, seemingly ageless font of wisdom just seems like typecasting. At this point, it's just true. And Keanu I think Reeves it... is potentially being sought for a role in uh, the Marvel Eternals movie. Righteous. <laughs> totally rad. I'm so excited. I love Keanu Reeves so much. If he's not going to play Mr. Miracle, which I think he should, he should play an Eternal. Dang. I when Did you not? Like, when I was reading Tom King's, I was reading, that was Keanu Reeves' voice. Huh. Like, uh, the, the paternal nature towards the kid, his scruffiness, his aloofness, his it knowledge. Does, of, now that he's got the, the scruff yeah. and the uh, Mitch Rod. He's Mr. Miracle. <laughs> uh, and if, like, it's, it's stuck. But if that's not going to be the I case. I mean, I am still in love with, uh, I, know, I know this is almost certainly not the case, but, like, the one picture that everybody circles when we talk about Scott Free and Big Barda that's Oscar Isaac and Gwendolyn Christie looking up oh, and down at each other amazing. on a red carpet. You're like, oh, dang it. I'm lining up right now. Yes. You know who else would be a good Scott Free? John Cho. Because I Cho like for everything. Well, that's part of it is John Cho for everything. But also like his uh, – he did this movie called Searching and he plays a dad and I just felt this new adult side of John Cho. I've always loved John Cho. But it was cool to see him as like this really grounded actor and I'd love to see him balance that with comedy, which Mr. Miracle would do. I turned Eternals into Mr. Miracle casting. I apologize, internet. But the Eternals – Different Kirby stuff. Different uh, Kirby stuff. Which is amazing. We were talking about this on, on Heroes that we get another parallel. Like this year we had the Captain's Marvel and mm-hmm. now we're getting an Eternals and New Gods. Like it's – we're living in such a glorious apology for the real world sucking great time in pop culture. Yeah. Like we're just being gifted this amazing time so we can be distracted from the world falling apart. And I love that. And like we, not that the world falling apart, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a – it's a thing. Uh, but we're also getting the, the continued and uh, is eternal benefit of Jack Kirby's <laughs> tremendous imagination, uh, which will will always be such a star to go back to. But the other great thing about Jack Kirby is that he would want you to do your own thing, which they clearly are with these movies. My question about the Eternals is that we have a stacked cast already. Yeah. Uh, there's so much going on in this movie. We don't know the size of anyone's parts or what kind of level of ensemble versus core cast, like, uh, versus main character story it's going to be. Uh, I I really, really hope this is true just because I want Keanu Reeves in the MCU. Do you know what this says to me what? with the rest of the cast is that we love these actors so much it establishes our feelings about them without having to have to do a lot of backstory. Mm-hmm. I think the best way to do a team movie is to establish a bunch of really likable characters or Ocean's really likable actors. Exactly. Oceans didn't have to set up 11 backstories. They all had like five minutes of backstory, but it didn't have to be a four-hour movie. If you cast Keanu Reeves, Angelina Jolie, etc., I'm like, well, I love these people. Let's make that. You know what I mean? So Keanu Reeves is a great move for a lot of reasons. And also, the continuous 
continued legacy of the franchises that Keanu's got to be a part of, like every 10 years getting a new resurgence, <laughs> is just the best. So if I can live eternally through Keanu Reeves' nice. incredible career, this is a great next step for him. What do you do after Bill and Ted? Oh, The Matrix? What do you do after Speed? Oh, I don't know. Like, he also, can't stop. John shout Wick. Shout out to... Uh, he's like I want to see him circle back and play this part again, but shout out to my favorite Keanu Reeves role as Denzel Washington's disgraced brother in Much Ado About Nothing. Yes. The 1993 Kenneth Branagh yes. Emma Thompson Shakespeare comedy uh, in which he is a delightfully villainous Don John. And again, I would watch that whole cast just play the same parts again because they're all superstars now. In a second. And that's the thing. <laughs> you go back and watch any of his movies, you're like, how is he have so many great franchise starters? So it's just good luck to Eternals to cast Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I feel like that would be, it would be like casting a, a nice little protective blessing uh, uh, from whatever immortal species Keanu Reeves belongs to. He's the best of us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have a particular character that you hope he is? I actually don't. I was thinking about this before the show, is when I think of the Eternals, I don't picture actors because of the way Kirby drew them and mm. wrote them. They, they seem so abstract. Um, I don't picture them as, as human because they're not. So I don't, but I also don't see him not fitting in the universe. So... Keanu Reeves Eternals equals the universe of Eternals and equals yes. It doesn't equal an individual, <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm really curious to see sort of what challenges he wants to take on. And I'd be very curious to see him do something like uh, like Makari for the action of it. Mm. Um, that would be a weird pick. But like, hey, uh, again, like Koi, I would sign up for whatever that is. Uh, speaking of, hold on, I can do this. Speaking of casting a protective blessing on things, uh, Fandango now has uh, blessed us with the information uh, on their sales. Okay, so there's a thing called Fandango now, apparently. Uh, and it, I, I know about this because they, they sent out a press release about their latest uh, streaming on-demand figures. Because they have been tracking the way Avengers Endgame has caused an MCU surge for their digital uh, stream-on-demand services for new release movies. Um, all of the MCU movies are seeing a bump, but apparently Captain Marvel, which is newly making its way to home video and home watching, uh, is tracking like crazy. Tracking like Black Panther did at the similar time and place for this service in terms of audience demand uh, and pre-orders and, and all of that, which is just really cool and exciting. I'm excited that more people are discovering the movie. I mean, obviously, pretty much everybody discovered it the first time. It's not like they <laughs> a lot of ground to make up. I'm so used to my faves being underserved. I'm so used to being the Scott Pilgrim fan who spends 10 years being like, but it was cool. Yeah. It's weird for me to have my fave make a billion dollars. I don't know what to do now. That's interesting. That's a really good point. Like, the <laughs> underdog is right now the lead, so it's like, what do the underdogs do? Yeah. Um, we just, we find new underdogs, but we also continue to be Squirt excited. Girl. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, we also continue to be excited about news like this from Fandango Now. Thoughts on that one? Uh... People like movies, yay. My thought is that if you have a friend that works in a movie theater and they get passes, that they should print out passes to Avengers Endgame <laughs> so it passes Avatar and that you should... <laughs> Koi. Uh, Koi Crimes here on Giant Size Heroes. Can that be a different category? How to, like, launder movie tickets and, like, certain little things. Uh, also, red vines melt at a higher temperature than Twizzlers, so if you're going to sneak them in your pockets, they'll last longer. Oh, this is advice that people can use, Koi. They don't taste as good, but they'll last longer. I'm a Twizzler guy, See, but they I like melt. them both, so but this is the information more, I need. I'm just saying. And if you buy a candy that's coated instead of a chocolate, if the chocolate's the center but it's coated in something, it melts at a different level for the summer fans. 
So if that helps. This is really important knowledge for the uh, junior mints lovers among yep, us. Yep. And uh, rum mixes better in a slushy than vodka Koi! if you're going to bring in a alcoholic beverage to your fifth viewing of Endgame for the adult listeners. Uh, for the adult listeners. <laughs> Amy's face. Speechless. This is amazing. We need that that moment alone. That was that was a, that was a gift. It was great. She was like, "I love all this advice, booze. No for the children." <laughs> uh, I will say, um, save the rum for your home viewing of Captain Marvel and help boost those stats. <laughs> <laughs> Or go to, you know, there's theaters where you can drink now. It's fine. Um, All theaters. <laughs> Koi's like, everything's legal if you don't get caught. That is, she gets me. <laughs> Chaotic good, everyone. Chaotic good. Uh, we got, uh, there's more movie news this week. We got some interesting, we're going to stay Dark Phoenix spoilers uh, free on this podcast uh, this week. Next week, we will probably get into it with some spoilers. Corey and I have both seen the movie. Uh, you can catch some of our non-spoiler reactions on uh, the heroes that went up this week. Uh, but we will also, maybe, do you want to save these for next time? That like We got a lot of comments on the behind the scenes from director Simon Kinberg uh, on, on changing the ending, which is pretty well-known non-spoiler yeah. knowledge. That, that they went back and reshot a big chunk of it. Um, and we got some sort of information through interviews about what that might have been. And so it's all really interesting for us as fans of what happens behind the scenes. But do we, anything like you want to get into now? It's tricky. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think next week we should talk about the difference instead of the. So speaking of things that uh, alternate paths things could have taken, uh, we have a, a few interesting stories that broke this week that were uh, like, what if Elseworlds news of futures past? Ooh. Which were about uh, things that could have been that did not come to be. We got a bunch of interesting comments from director Matthew Vaughn about both abandoned plans for possible Superman movies uh, that he was involved with and uh, a little targeting our interests specifically the idea that he had back when he made X-Men First Class for what would have been an X-Men trilogy. Breaks my goddamn heart. Oh. What we could have had. The dream that could have been. I, I This is my favorite story of the week. Um, I am a giant X-Men First Class fan. I maintain that it is... It's up there at the top. I don't know if it's the top, but it's up there. And I like Days of Future Past. Please do not get me wrong. But what we could have had with the trilogy of First Class and that team going into Days of Future Past, going into things, and, like, maintaining the continuity, I really think we missed out on something really special. I think For Matthew those who Vaughn, might not have seen these comments, he had said that following First Class, there would have been sort of a 70s, like, young Wolverine-focused kind of With iteration. Tom Hardy. With potentially someone like Tom Hardy in the role, uh, and then culminating in Days of Future Past for a third movie. Now, I'm, I, I don't think that would have cleared us of continuity issues. I think it would have just been its own thing. Well, it would have been, uh, for one, it was pre—this is separate—pre Bane, pre Venom, Tom Hardy. So everyone uh, saying, like, he can't be everyone. This is before he was everyone. Uh, but also, he's five foot seven and feral. He is Wolverine. Also, uh, it would have been a—like, the continuity would have been, like, two paths, you know? It would have mm. been, been the Brian Singer and the Matthew Vaughn instead of, like, colliding them— because First Class was separate from from the Brian Singerverse. It was, So yeah. if you'd kept it separate, we wouldn't have had the mess of, like, killing Havoc off camera and Cyclops being irrelevant again. And, like, they keep doing my boy dirty. <laughs> and I think that Matthew Vaughn... Although he was <sighs> planning to collide them again when he got to Jason sure, sure. Pass. But I think he would have handled it better, uh, mm-hmm. personally. And I also, like, Matthew Vaughn wrote... 
characters that felt more like X-Men and like was more invested in the mythos, I feel, than Brian Singer, who had a different agenda, I think, to make these movies. So It's funny because I tend to agree with you, although uh, like I have really fond memories of First Class. Uh, I, I That movie is really special to me, and there's so many things that it does well. And I, I, I like instinctively nod when you say that, uh, but it's funny because when you actually drill into the mythos, there's some weird choices in First Class. There's like the his version of the Hellfire Club is odd. Sure, uh, sure, sure. His version of the like the the team that we meet in first class, like Darwin, does not get particular justice in that movie. I feel like Darwin was coming back in the second one. Yeah, the way they because it was because of how that's his power. Yeah, like they literally <laughs> were like, I can't be killed, dies. Like I feel like that was a hopefully a thing because that was a weird choice. Uh, I, but it is funny because fundamentally, uh, I loved that movie. It's one of my favorite of the X Men movies, and so it, it's it is. I'm with Koi in the sense that I also loved Days of Future Past, but to hear about this version that would have grown into it, and specifically, he's maybe like. Using the benefit of hindsight here, but Matthew Vaughn commented that it is difficult to get the people he was working with to go with him on the idea of taking their time to get somewhere. Yeah. That he said they were sort of in a hurry. Uh, and, and you know, it's it's always easy to sort of say these things after the fact. But the truth is that that sounds good to me. I like the idea of taking your time to get places. Uh so I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting road not taken. To me, it sounds like we would have gotten Days of Future Past, but a Matthew Vaughn version, and I love him, and we would not have ever gotten Apocalypse. So it's having our cake, it's eating it too, it's it's keeping the good, getting ready to get some of the bad. And I like patience. The X-Men are a 60-plus year experience. We can take our time. Like, but we can't acknowledge that I would have been complaining because there would have been yet another Wolverine-focused version <laughs> of it before we got to the team again. But I feel like he could have handled that a little differently than Brian Singer making it. It, it, it wouldn't have been Wolverine and the X-Men. I think it would have been X-Men with Wolverine. And I also think that he built a better team. Like, when you think about first class, you think of team dynamics more than you think about Brian Singers. And bless you, Hugh Jackman. I'm never mad at you. You're never. perfect. Uh, and I'm always happy to see you. I just, you know, I am team. There are many X-Men and Wolverine is not the main character of it. But think about the team fights in first class. They fought like a team. They acted like a team. They built up the team. And that was in one movie. So I imagine what he could have done with two or three and, like, grown into the X-Men. And he was already invested in more side characters. He, like, Banshee's awesome in that movie. Go count. So, uh, Caleb is like the man. Yes. Another road not taken emerged this week. Uh, we got a lot of uh, alternate possibilities. Uh, and we heard that there was apparently the possibility in 2011 of a massive Fox Marvel mega movie that would have brought in everyone whom they at that time owned from the X-Men and the Fantastic Four to Deadpool and Daredevil. What? Blew my mind. So Kevin Smith uh, does a podcast at Scum and Villainy and they had the writer on that was that Sex wrote sense. this. Yep. Uh, that wrote this this manifesto. I don't know what this could have been. Like, <laughs> what does Daredevil, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool do? Like, how does that... I can think of no story that's just that corner. Like, was it going to be a weird Secret Wars? Was it going to be a... Like, who would they fight? Like, there's was it all against Magneto? Like, I what mean, is this movie? Giant Invasion of New York, probably. Right? But by whom? Uh, like, Galactus? Real, real Galactus? Maybe it was Galactus. That would uh, be dope. That was my first guess there. But, you know, you don't... Who knows? I want to read this so bad. We all want to see Daredevil fight Galactus. Sure. <laughs> we all want to see Daredevil and Deadpool have a great conversation about cilantro and his pouches. That happened in the comics. It's great. <laughs> have I ever told you about that? No. One of my favorite panels of all time is Daredevil meets Deadpool, and Deadpool comes up to him and he's like, he smells worse than death. And it's just, you see through Daredevil vision, it's just him radiating out smells because he's a he's a constantly reforming carcass. Like, his cancer is eating him away. Woof. And he's like, and... 
Mexican food and you find out that all of his pouches are full of cilantro and Mexican condiments for his chimichangas and I was like only in this moment could this ever exist and it's it's comics are gold guys read comics that's that's beautiful speaking <laughs> of uh, reading comics because they are gold we have a pull list today on giant size heroes excellent tangent I'm really proud of that, that was impressive you like, sent for that I, one I, I appreciated it it was a softball uh, we have this week you heard us run through these on this week's collider heroes but now we have a little more time to sit with them uh, so I want to start with this first one uh, this comic is called Die. It is a pun. You roll dice in RPGs. There's a thing called RPGs. Imagine Dungeons & Dragons, but there's a lot of them. There's a lot of different types of them. You play them with your imagination and some dice, traditionally, sometimes with little miniature figures. There's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, and there is a wonderful comic written by Kieran Gillen and drawn by Stephanie Hans. Uh, they really co-created it together and have worked together on this. And it is about... Uh, a a group of folks in their like mid adulthood who have to revisit the most traumatic thing of their lives, which was a game that they played. Oh, I'm telling it very badly. Okay, the mo- you know how the movie Jumanji is where you get stuck in a board and or video game, uh, and you have to sort of fight your way out, and you learn about friendship or whatever in the middle. Imagine that, but like real sad. <laughs> and with RPGs and with a bunch of teenagers who then have to sort of go back and revisit this experience much later in their lives and uh, learn and grow from a point of view that is also about life experience and loss and change and bitterness uh, and wonderful imagination and monsters and really cool out there fantasy concepts and heartbreaking relatable life scenarios and wondering how it all fell apart and making the most of yourself and cool random Tolkien parts. Uh, There's a J.R.R. Tolkien part. uh, There's an issue in this trade that will uh, make you cry a lot. So if I have advertised all of the sadness (laughs) of this glorious fantasy adventure, uh, it's called Fantasy Heartbreakers, the subtitle of this volume. It is incredibly beautiful. Stephanie Hans is a painting uh, painter. Uh, an artist who paints her comics. Uh, they are incredibly gorgeous. This is some of her first interior work or like an ongoing series. Uh, Kieran Gillen is actually designing the game that they play in this to inform so cool. the story of the world and be played by us eventually in the real world. There, I can't say enough good things about this book. It is incredible. I hope I haven't ruined anything for you by telling you that much about it already. But the trade is out now, so you can go get the first volume and read it right now. And then please Tweet me. <laughs> she has been in love with this book from the beginning, and now that it's in a trade, the love is is reborn, and it's amazing to see. <laughs> uh, this week's comics are pretty solid, and they're very varied. Like, this week's books, like, the next one, Female Furies, is... Okay, this is such a tough like, read, yeah, but it's, it's so good, but it's so hard to read, but it's so good. It's very dense. And, like, it's not... Yeah, I, I, have, I have trouble with this one, so I want to know, what like, what's what's your favorite uh, ness of it? Okay, so Female Furies number five is out this week. It is from a miniseries DC is doing that is set in their new Gods universe that is retelling part of that science fiction epic Jack Kirby story that we have talked about that is being made into a movie that features the adventures of, uh, you know, new Gods and the the fourth world that they come from uh, are this wonderful, fertile playground for imaginations for DC and have been since Jack Kirby created them. Um, you will note main characters like Mr. Miracle and Big Barda. Big Barda, my forever fave. Uh, and we all know that Big Barda, who was re- basically raised as one of the bad guys, as one of the unstoppable female furies, and then switches sides for love. That's the basic story of Big Barda, right? She rejects her programming. 
uh, escapes to with with Scott Free to our world uh, and makes her life what she wants it to be, free of that stuff. Well, it turns out when you actually make me pay attention to the stuff that she went through before, it is again. Uh, Trigger warnings on this book, which is a concept some of you will have heard of and some of you will not have heard of, but basically means there is content that is uh, difficult to engage with in this book. If you have trouble reading about some real-world issues like sexual harassment and sexual assault, this book is going to be a tough read for you. But while that is not always where I run first with my comic book content, I am really interested in stories where... That's not just used as a plot device or as a gratuitous thing, but is the point of the story. Examining systems of power, examining what what that looks like and how a person is affected by it when it is their story, when you are really seriously taking into account the consequences of that and the way that rolls forward. It's not an easy read, uh, but and it's a surprisingly funny one at times. It is light. It's, it's dark and light in very different ways than you'd expect. Yeah, they find a lot of black humor in this situation, but uh, uh, it is... That is, it's just a miniseries, but there's an infinite amount to say about it uh, as they roll through and tell, because the basic details that they're using are from this mythology, but they are kind of making you look at what that would actually be like, which is real tough. Yeah, I agree. How did that, did that, that was make actually, sense? That was, I enjoyed that telling because now I can appreciate retroactively some of the things that I didn't get from it. So mm. that is a great sell because I, I definitely enjoy the book, but it's never near the top of my poll because I think the subject matter, to be honest, is like I, I actually you not know I'll own this. I don't watch Game of Thrones because I don't like any plot driven by rape uh, and like that is going to I'm ready. Internet come at me like it's going to happen. And I know that's part of the story and service, but the world's shitty enough. So I don't need you to bring that into my fantasy. So the reason I don't watch it is I don't need to acknowledge the depravity of man further than acknowledging the world outside my door. So I read comics. So I, I love everything about what you just said. And, f- and despite the fact that I do watch Game of Thrones, like generally feels the same me. way. Uh, like It's it's interesting because I have just carved out an exception for this one because because it does it it is because it is about this and that this isn't just someone being like, oh, here's a cool tool I have in my tool belt. And I acknowledge it does that. And I also want to acknowledge that I love Game of Thrones fans because they're fervent about fantasy. And I also want to acknowledge that it's a fandom. So people are going to like and not like stuff. So please don't attack me because I don't like your thing because I'm not insulting your thing. Yeah, it's just Corey's not... allowed to have this perspective and I will literally fight anyone who disagrees. <laughs> all, uh... all I'm saying is it's not for me. So before you rear up those tweet fingers, it's just not for me. I'm not I don't have a problem with it existing. I just don't need to put that in my brain so personally i'm not gonna have those images added on purpose to my experience of life because i only got 100 years and those hours are not going to be spent enduring that so for me that comic reflects certain things that i don't like putting myself in because i chose to choose a life of fantasy instead of being a cop or like something that would have and to the, deal with the real the truth world. is it's it's not usually again like i said it's not usually my my go-to thing that i want in my comic book fiction i True. just make an exception for this one because i'm so interested in what they are doing with the story hell yeah that's great and i know medieval times were scary i get that but i'm not alive then it's not about that i'm pre-defending myself <laughs> you, you are pre-defending yourself against an argument which i find to be a straw man which is that people say that makes it more realistic but they have made very specific choices about what they do which elements of realism they are and are not importing, and please acknowledge that those are choices you made. Uh, <laughs> the dragon's the most realistic part of Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, I also want to talk about Criminal, which is ironically a great tangent because this deals with crime, but it doesn't make me feel... It makes me feel dirty in a good way. It makes me feel like, yeah, grit and grime and people doing bad things, but I never feel bad. 
that for anyone in it because they've all deserved I their choices. I feel bad for everyone in Criminal oh, Minds. I don't know how I keep reading this book because I love them and they're terrible and I'm not ready for what they build a story as, it's which like is the bullets. last days of Teague Lawless. Oh, it's going to be good. But it's like Hunter Bullets where like you are invested in these characters, but you are also understanding when they die. Like you're, you're like, I'm with you, but man, you kind of deserve that. And that's really hard to write and that's really impressive. And that this is the side of the dark comic reading I, I enjoy is is crime. But I, I think that Criminal balances that uh, anti-hero so well, just like 100 Bullets did. And it's an incredible read. It's a noir. It's gritty. We talk about a lot of superhero properties because, frankly, I – I read more cape stuff than non-cape stuff, but Criminal has kept me invested over the years in ways that a lot of gritty noirs haven't. It's really good. It's really wonderful comics. Uh, Edward Baker and Sean Phillips are one of the all-time comic book teams. Uh, they are now being colored, actually, by Sean Phillips' son, which was so cool. They That's came and did cool. a signing at House of Secrets, and they were so nice. Uh, they, as I've, I've met Ed on many occasions, and he's always delightful, but hadn't met Sean or his son. Uh, and they are making a great team on this book. Uh, it is, it's lucky that, uh, you know, given that Ed is very nice in person, it works out really nicely that he was already one of our favorites. Um, so I have no conflicts at all in saying that you should... <laughs> should read this book because I literally would have been telling you that anyway. Uh, it is, honestly, he's, he's wonderful. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the series that he has made. Uh, he's, Brubaker has been writing on Westworld and has now co-created that series with Nicholas Winding Refn. Rain. Oh, I don't know how to say his name. Yeah, and I love him. I don't know how to say his last um, name It's either. called uh, Too Old to Die Young, I think. Great. And that is on one of the streaming services. Uh, it's not technically based on comics, but I am always interested because it's friggin' Brubaker. Yeah, Brubaker uh, and Nicholas Winding Refn is brilliant. Right? Bronson is one of the best of movies un- of unexpected team-ups like we were talking about on yes. Collider Heroes. That was one of those for me where I was like, what? Uh, so I'm very excited about that. But I also am thrilled that, you know, Ed Brubaker is a comic book guy. He's going to want to make comics if he can forever. He makes uh, – the interesting thing is that in general, I say read comics however you can. Get them in whatever format you like. Do them any way you want. But you should know. You should have this information that on Criminal, when they do their single issues, they put in incredibly cool bonus content that is only available in those. And I get frustrated that it is difficult to get a hold of all these, like, cool essays on the history of detective fiction and, like – uh, crime films and noir that like all this wonderful historical material that they put in the back of all of these that I'm like I gotta track them all down so I can read all this friggin wonderful information uh, but they're doing it specifically to make me do that and to support stores and to support comic books and to reward you for picking up single issues now wait Amy are you saying there are certain creators that you respect and admire that think that individual issues are better than trades because it sounds to me like you're a proponent for individual issues when it comes to criminal he's maybe... not saying it's better but he has put stuff in that you can only get in that format to reward you for 10 years of loyally buying. I would only do that if I thought it was better. I wouldn't put supplemental content in thing I thought was a weaker format. I just think individual issues might be stronger because you're supporting a weekly consumption of comics <laughs> instead of every six months and you're supporting the artist directly. You're buying floppies so they're collectible. A digital comic is very important if you're running out of space. I've gone digital for a lot of books I don't collect, but you know what? I can never resell a digital comic. Print. Tangible medium individual issues are always going to be worth more than digital down the line so i say buy individual issues don't buy them because you think they'll be expensive buy them because you love them i have strong opinions on that i'm just saying you want to put your kids through college buy amazing spider-man number one when you can afford it i'm just saying (laughs) it's going to be worth more than digital amazing spider-man number one make it so uh what else we got on this list? another book that'll be worth millions of dollars while i'm talking about crime savage Adventures number two might not be worth millions of dollars financially but it will be in your heart because gary duggan is one of the best writers, hard stop, 
in comics right now. He is so good at balancing comedy and action. He is so good at making you care about characters you never thought you'd care about. He is so good at building worlds. And Gary Duggan is writing the most badass Avengers team ever. It's like everyone that grew up in the 90s and all the characters they thought looked really metal, he put them all on a team. (laughs) Like Conan and Venom and Wolverine and Elektra. Like this book is just badass. (laughs) So it's like the Fast and the Furious of Avengers teams. And I am all about that. So the first issue was a Conan the Barbarian Wolverine team up that was just them two. And somehow in my 30 years of existing, never realized that Conan and Wolverine should do a book together. Like, I just, I never considered the option, and it just makes so much sense. Uh, it is, by the way, Mike Didato, is it Didato? Didato, I think. But Didato is amazing, always. But him with Gary Duggan drawing Conan and Wolverine one of the panels in uh, number one, there's a splash page that is Wolverine coming up over hand ninjas, and it's a whole page. It's one of the prettiest Wolverine panels I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, here he tweeted me when I told him that because he's lovely. But <laughs> I lose my shit every page of this book. Every time I flip a page, I get more excited. The action's insane. It's very funny. And so far, we're only two issues in, so you can hunt down the first one in individual buying comic form. I mean, it's not like I'm mad that people are buying comics. <laughs> I just love that we have, like, such... Like, you're so get comics wherever you can, and I'm so get comics wherever you can, but if you can, get them individually. Look, it's the same just, side of the coin. It's because I'm also trying to pretend to be neutral, but I literally work at a comic store, so please buy comics. <laughs> um, and if you can't afford them, I love the amount of people the library sweaty. Yes! That has my made me so happy. My favorite thing is y'all tweeting us with your library pictures and the hashtag library sweaty. It's so good. Comics are expensive. I totally get that, and I love supporting them however you can. You reading them means you're talking about them. If you're talking about them and someone you talk to picks a comic up, then you help support it. So, any and the way truth is, the comics. library orders matter for comics. Yeah, uh, the, your library has to order extra copies if you're checking it out a lot. They have to order replacement copies when they wear out. It means something, and it matters. And you are like you absolutely are helping that book by keeping it in circulation, by indicating interest, by sharing it with your friends, by talking it up. And so, thank you. Comics, uh, Comicsology, and Marvel Unlimited. Those clicks matter. Like if you're if you're doing it legally, however you're doing it legally, that is helping comic books. So as long as this is the one thing I'll say to do legally in the show (laughs) get comics legally the rest i don't care but do comics legally (laughs) and our final comic of the week lord of realms number five is a 10 year we keep talking about how jason aaron's been on this for 10 years i didn't i'm not a big uh sword and sandals kind of guy uh except Conan the barbarian apparently he's blowing my mind uh but the sword and sandals stuff in this mixed with the regular 616 world is so much fun because i talked about it last week punisher fighting dark elves is insane uh there's an issue of spider-man uh i think it's it's the book i pitched last week that um tom taylor did where it's spider-man on a pegasus talking to it and it's just like <laughs> how does this happen and why is it the funniest most heartbreaking thing that's happened to me since this is a season finale uh tom taylor is a god and jason aaron building a universe where like these writers can play in his wheelhouse because he's built such an established universe is beautiful jason aaron gets this mythology and he's gave uh, like this this gift of a play box the sandbox of war of realms is so much fun i'm loving almost all of the spinoffs i'm loving almost all of the minis that are spawning out of this and the main title I usually don't like event titles like this, but this one's getting me. I'm fully in. It is funny because I've had event burnout myself a little bit, uh, in, and I've been sort of picking and choosing with some of the major crossover storylines. Uh, but this one is just like, oh, 
fun. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just fun. It's just and nice. It, you know, and it, there's there is a real discussion to be had about how much we expect people to invest uh, in terms of money and time in order to follow a thing. But this one does seem like it's really hitting the like opportunity for cool extra stories that you don't need to follow the main thing. That sweet spot of comic book crossovers. Uh, so we will see the the industry is constantly evolving. They are paying attention to which things go over and which things don't and and trying to respond appropriately. Uh, but uh and you know it's it's just interesting to see because we're still working on this model of like 75 tie-in books, but the, it does feel like a, a more joyful one, one where they're not sort of holding it over you that if you skipped this mini series, you didn't have a complete experience. It's just like it's like somebody set out a candy buffet where you're yeah. like, ah, I would like this and that and this and the Tostitos, you know? Right, like- just enjoy. <laughs> like comics are fun, y'all. Enjoy them. And that was what was funny was when when we had Rob Liefeld on talking about Major X was like how fun that book is for its sake. And we were talking about War of Realms, and I was like, nah, I don't really like that kind of book. And then I picked up Major X and War of Realms, and I loved them both. <laughs> and they're both so different. And that to me was that like microcosm of holy crap comics can be so diverse and so different and there's something for everyone yeah. and if you're listening to this you know that already but buy them legally <laughs> uh and our saga moment of the week yes i i'm just making this a section it's not in the doc but i am currently halfway I actually no, again I'm at, I'm no at, spoilers no spoilers i'm at 30 so i'm a little more than halfway oh. i'm trying to read only six a week that way i have nine glorious weeks of saga to before i get to 54 <laughs> uh i am at a point where um, a team, the last time we were on a team of a duo, no, this is this week, a duo of people that you never expected to team up have teamed up. <laughs> it made me cheer. I actually, uh, I'm reading these digitally. I stood up and went, yes, which I'm sorry for everyone listening. That must, that, that pinging must've hurt. I'm sorry for your ears. Uh, that's what happened at my home. Uh, and then I went through an experience of, I loved a character in the first arc. And I knew that that character would be a problem for the other characters, but now that they've had that character be disposed for a long time, now I'm worried for my characters, and he's back, and I'm concerned for the safety of everyone. And that's how good Saga is. The protagonist, the antagonist, the side characters, every race, You root every, for almost everybody, everyone. and it's impossible because they can't all get the things that they want because they are fundamentally in conflict, but they're all... Like, there's so many reasons to love them. I had a great moment. I, I watched uh, Comic Book Shopping with, with Alex. So uh, Comic Book Shopping is available with Alex Ship, and it's one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Uh, but in the background is Lion Cat. <laughs> and I had already enjoyed the character because I, I was like six issues in at that point or 12. So I was like, oh, I Lion Cat. But now, like, I, I'm looking at the video. I'm like, there's Lion Cat. And it's like distractingly love. Like, yeah. I love that character so much. So Have uh, I shown you my plushy goose? No. He's got little outfits. You've met Spidey Cat, right? I, I've seen pictures of Spidey you Cat. you got to meet Spidey. He's a real-life goose. Oh. Very important. But Lion Cat, like, I never even liked skinless uh, skinless cats. Jesus, that's terrifying. Hairless cats. <laughs> but now I kind of want one to name it Lying. Uh, the book is incredible. I am ever so impressed with it. it. It transcending the format, the genre, everything about the book. And it is the amount of people that have tweeted us about, like, picking up Saga it's for the first beautiful. time. I thought I was the last one, and I'm not. There that's, are others. You never, like, there's always more people to get to read Saga. That's the beauty of comics is that, uh, like, it's the the, the weird weird blessing and curse of being like i mean you think about things like everybody's read watchmen and it's like no a tiny fraction of earth's population has read watchmen so if you're we listening have to this, a lot of work to do so saga is our <laughs> current mountain to stand on and yell from so please read saga because i'm loving you guys interacting with us over saga and your experiences of reading saga for the first time have made me so happy send us the pictures you're liking send us all the things but don't spoil things for koi but don't spoil things for koi <laughs> did i vague book that enough I no think... it was perfect okay good because uh, you know where i am now yeah okay good it's real good 
I'm oh, excited. I'm so excited. Uh, it's so much fun to have somebody else go through this journey. And then eventually it'll just be, you know, get ready. It's going to be the top of our picks of the week every time it comes out for the rest of time. Oh, yeah. Um, because uh, there will be no one to check each other's impulses of making it the top pick every month forever. So prepare. Saga 55, already top of the list. Saga 56, already top of the list. <laughs> so speaking of top of the list, we have one of my other favorite all-time, uh, we'll never rest until everyone in the world has read this comics, uh, getting, it's very, well, not very first it's several film adaptation but honestly the first one that i've ever seen which is a really neat position to be in uh swamp thing yes has debuted on the dc universe streaming service home to my beloved doom patrol to the young justice to the young justice to the titans to young justice uh Two comics. Two comics. i just want to pitch again that comics are on that app because that is so important to me i just want to say it aloud so Cool. Also home to a show called DC Daily that I do with a bunch of our favorite people and I have a really good time on, so please take all of that uh, as part of the background here. Uh, but legit, y'all know me from this show. I would always be excited about Swamp Thing because it's friggin' Swamp Thing. Yeah. Whether you're reading the Lean Wa- Len Wein, Bernie Wrightson 70s originals or whether you're reading the Alan Moore, John Totalben, Stephen Bissett, uh, brilliant reimagining from the 80s, whether you're reading the Scott Snyder 2011 run, uh, a bunch of the other runs that I haven't even gotten to yet. There's so much more good stuff. Swamp Thing brings out the best in people in this really interesting way and is a really different take on, like, you can't do Swamp Thing and shy away from it being cool and different and its own tone. Uh, So, with all that in mind, what do you think? I... Okay, so... There's one episode out for the public so far. Yes, and I won't spoil anything in case they haven't seen even the one, but this was the show on the DC Universe I've been most excited about by a fair margin. Uh, I'm loving Doom Patrol. I'm not... Me saying I'm excited about something is just that this individual item, and Swamp Thing was the thing I'd heard the most about from people working on DC properties, about how excited they were and how insane it's going to be and how practical... And it's still better than I expected. Like, this was my most hyped, and I'm still like, how does this exist? And every DC show has done that for me. Like, I've had the hype of Titans, and then, like, halfway through the season, when I feel like the second half of the season really went crazy, then I was like, how does this exist? Doom Patrol from the pilot. How does this exist? And they keep doing that. I am loving the DC properties on DC Universe. I'm very happy Swamp Thing is out for people. I'm very happy it's going to bring people to read Swamp Thing, because that's so important. I will also say, I have been hearing from folks, I do not have complete information on this front, but I've been getting tweets from different folks. Uh, As many of you are aware, DC Universe is currently a US-only service, but several of these shows are available uh, in different fashions in different countries. Like Titans is on Netflix for a lot of the world, um, and I was hearing that Doom Patrol had some availability on unexpected channels in Canada. Uh, and, and like, so check your local listings to see if any of this stuff is getting carried carried. And then if not, hopefully I'm, I'm always crossing my fingers that more solutions will present themselves, but continue. So I feel like it's going to bring people into comics, which is really important. And I also feel like it is a great show for people that don't realize how diverse comic can be. Mm. Like it's, it's not a sword. I mean, it's not a, it's not a cape show. Yeah. And I really think this is going to help people that think the medium is one thing, realize it's many things. Something is a famously a, a, a wonderful uh, horror comic uh, from the classic sort of monster movie horror of the 70s. I, tough word to say. Sorry. Uh, I don't know how Perry does it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to to the like sort of in 
you know, socially conscious and and otherwise, like, all, every flavor of creepy that you can think of, someone has done something with it with Swamp Thing. Um, and so I'm very interested to see, because, Coy, you've actually, I think, seen more of it than I have at this point, because I've seen the pilot for Swamp Thing. Um, but we're going to see how everything rolls out. I'm really curious, over the course of the season, they definitely are leaning into the elements of horror and of grounding it in a particular location. Mm-hmm. Um, that, it, you know, you can't have Swamp Thing without the swamp. Um, so, I'm yeah, and and not to spoil it, but there is at least one, there's a name drop in the middle of this episode that made me sit straight up in my seat as a DC fan. Uh, so I'm very curious. Y'all tweet me when you get there. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. Just- it, it's, it's a real good show. I, I don't want to <laughs> reveal anything because I'm a little further along and it's, it's a real good show. Uh, but another show. Yeah, yeah. As this last season. <laughs> Another show, interestingly, uh, that, that carves out the very specific exceptions of where I am excited to deal with difficult material. Jessica Jones. Uh, and and, and I, I have a lot of history with this show. It's one of my very favorite comics. It's funny because the comic I love for not dealing in certain things and the show I love for dealing in those same things. Mm. It's a really interesting uh it's been a really interesting journey for me as a viewer and as a, a, a budding critic, I guess, to to dis, to look at what appeals to me in different environments and with different teams and with different contexts. So the Jessica Jones we have in the comics with the background of the Marvel Universe, sure. uh, I have certain things that I love about how they handled. And the Jessica Jones on TV dealing in other stuff, I, I love that I'm like, if you're going to do it. Do it like this. And they're both authentic to Jessica Jones, the character. Yes. And that's my favorite thing is is Jessica Jones is so powerful of a character that she's able to reflect either the MCU adjacent or the 616 comic universe and both feel authentic to Jessica Jones. Yes, yeah, she and feels that's like a herself. Right. And that's a testament to Kristen Ritter and the writers. like yeah. and, and the comic writers, obviously. But it's really impressive that the whole time I'm like, yep, that's what Jessica Jones would do. But she's in different situations than she is in the comics. But now I get – it's really nice to have – it's like – Sorry, this was a total whoa. Uh, I'm enjoying that different comics are able to translate things differently, and this kind of ties into my X-Men feelings. Spoiler free. Um, I think that we need to start accepting on broad terms that different studios, different properties, and different mediums are going to have different flavors. It's like a potato. You have okay. a potato, uh-huh. and it's great as a baked potato, and it's Boil great it, as French it, fries. It, exactly. It's great as French fries. It's great as baked. It's great chopped. It's great raw. I eat raw potatoes all the time. They're is all, that safe? I'm real weird in Irish. Raw potato, like I, if you skin them and just bite into them like an apple, it's delicious and it's really like hydrating. Apple, I mean, but uh, potatoes huh. are great. So, and if you buy, I cannot evaluate this coy life advice. Please use your own judgment. Uh, the canned potatoes, like the white uh, canned potatoes, also bomb movie snack, and they fit in <laughs> inside jacket pockets. Uh, so the, those are potato facts. But potatoes are so translatable in different mediums, and French fries and baked potatoes have very little in French common. Fries are not a medium coy. But French fries and baked. potatoes potatoes you would not argue taste the same no no just like the x-men movies and the x-men comics are still based on a potato but they're very different just as jessica jones is very different from the comics so i think we need to start looking like at comics like potatoes because they're all good who's tater tots teen titans go Ooh, who is tater tots man that's a that's too hard a question on the spot who's tater tots swamp thing is hash browns Oh, for sure. Uh, Titans might be too aggressive for Tater Tots. Teen Titans Go is definitely more fun and hygienic. I mean, Venom is definitely Tater Tots. Venom, for sure. He loves them, and it's crazy, and it's reckless, and kids dig them, and adults are confused by it. It's definitely Venom. Today on Tot News, 
No, every comic medium has a different uh, thing. And I think fun, silly 90s movies are tater tots. So that includes your Ghost Rider, your Venom, your, your, your you know, questionable film choices. Those are all tater tots. Okay, I will never breathe again. Baked uh, potatoes are been... like Logan and oh. the, the finer films. Uh, I would say a mashed potato is your action film, your X-Men 2. Uh, they're <laughs> all... The baked potatoes are, for you, the Oscar movie of oh, potatoes. Oh, for sure. Baked potatoes can be exquisite. You can do so much with toppings. Baked potatoes are art. If you do them right, and then you know your lesser films are the raw potato. Your your X Men Origins Wolverine is just you bite no potato. You hope it's good. Sometimes it is. Oh my god! Wait, what if it's what's the alternative? I mean, you've had a, I mean, I've had a rotten potato in my life. Like potatoes can be bad. You've eaten rotten. Potatoes? I didn't continue to eat it, but I didn't like you know you watch X Men Origins Wolverine. You you finish. You, you endure. Oh you have a time. So potatoes, folks. <laughs> Next and week, I'm going to do a potato scale for different <laughs> comics and figure out what each comic and each medium is a different potato. This is the best thing that's ever happened <laughs> on any version of Collider Heroes. <laughs> so I'm just going to speed through our remaining stories here while I think about potatoes. Uh, Corey and I, I, I'm just assuming you're as excited as I am. I'm going out ahead. I think I put in the notes or already declared that you will never be seeing either of us again because E3 is coming up and they're going to announce an Avengers game from Square Enix. Yes. We're getting some leaked information about gameplay. Uh, it sounds maybe Destiny-y. It sounds maybe co-op-y. Uh, we don't know yet any of that officially, but we are incredibly on board. Um, we, let's see, we got some, some interesting, a mix of real world and super just for fun stuff. Uh, there was some interesting news that affects, uh, all of us in, in terms of nerd productions. Uh, so much of what we care about is affected by the real world in unexpected ways sometimes. So we have heard from companies that we really care about, like AMC, like Warner Brothers and like Disney, uh, that they are all sort of reconsidering their production choices, which would affect Walking Dead, which would affect the MCU, uh, because of some of the legal things happening in Georgia right now so if you have not heard about that it is worth going uh to read about that is a bit outside the subject of our normal show but uh, i wanted to bring it up because it does affect this stuff and because the issues that it's about are super important uh it would not you know i'm i'm very impressed by these companies taking this stand i feel i cannot comment on it with enough time in the time we have left but i i can say cleanly that I agree with the choices the companies are making regarding this decision. I don't usually get political, but I don't think that uh, a female's body is a political statement. I believe it's a human being and therefore a fucking crusty old white dude shouldn't have the right to tell anyone what to do. So, thank you companies for telling crusty old white dudes to suck a dude. Oh my god. Sorry, I got carried away on potatoes. I'm potato high. But thank you, Disney, for – because Disney's the empire, right? If the empire says we're going to leave, then you make changes, and changes need to be made. All this uh, stuff is complicated. It affects real people, but so do these laws. They affect a lot of real people. Uh, And if if, – as in a twist from the the absolute realist of worlds to the most delightful of completely imagined ones, uh, I ran this by John Rocco to be like, who's this person? And he got really excited uh, (laughs) because uh, I don't know who this is. But he is my favorite wrestler. His name is Johnny Gargano, a.k.a. Johnny Wrestler. And he always comes out dressed as comic book characters. And he came out for his NXT thing dressed as Captain Marvel. Yes, so cool. So thank you, Johnny Gargano, a.k.a. Johnny Wrestler, uh, for being clearly the best.
best. I say with a lot of information. Uh, Danielle Radford <laughs> is going to kill me when if she ever hears this because she's super into wrestling and can probably explain all of this to me. And I probably should have just contacted her. We're, but... we're at we're at Collider. Everyone outside that door is, <laughs> is aware of wrestling in ways we aren't. <laughs> we're at like a wrestling headquarters, effectively. <laughs> Uh, okay, and a real quick, we're going to speed through some Twitter cues. We got Brownbeard at Kevbro18 asks, I was wondering what are, oh no, what are some of your favorite Easter eggs from comic book streaming and TV shows? I really liked the nod to the Brain Slash Ultimax in Doom Patrol, Giant Size Heroes. Oh, Jesus. I mean, uh, Flex Mattel we, is on an Easter egg. We should save this one. This yeah, is too, yeah, I we put should. Two, sorry, y'all, y'all sent great questions, and we're going to save some of them. Yeah, we're actually time. going to give them justice on that okay. one. Okay, knowing so at yeah.guy says, enjoying Collider Heroes podcast, always entertaining while drawing, especially when Koi has a brilliant plan to get Avengers Endgame to beat Avatar. Bunch of laughing emojis. Pretty sure it's illegal, but still brilliant. Looking forward to the next episode. Uh, and let's see. this. Next... If it's illegal and no one gets hurt and gets the job done, <laughs> is it really illegal? I'm going to skip straight to the sweaty question of the week. Okay, we'll hold on to these other ones. because yeah, yeah. We're going to hold on to some of these for next time. Joshua Gerald Butler at McButler underscore McButler underscore says, first... Thank you from across the pond. You would be welcome in the UK anytime. Second, I'm a history student at university and just recently read Mouse and absolutely loved it. And I'm yearning for a serious movie-slash-TV animated adaptation. Uh, what graphic novel portraying something that really happened would you like to see adapted? And any recommendations for someone who liked Mouse? I am so bad at reading historical comics that I am going to own that, and Ooh, I'm going to learn from Amy in this, this moment. Is and I, and I, I was going to Google, but I'm not a host that Googles and then reiterates someone else's knowledge. I want my own knowledge. So Amy's going to teach me in this moment. I'm not a faker. Give me that knowledge. It's, it's okay to acquire knowledge in various ways. It doesn't make you fake. But I hate when people uh, like, read a Wikipedia page and pretend they knew it, so I'm uh, not going to do that. Fair enough. Uh, this is a wonderful area of comics. Uh, they've actually started an Eisner category for best real life work, or it's what's it called? It's called something like reality-based work or something like that. Um, they've established a category just because a lot of the best of these are memoir cool. uh, in the way that Mouse is a story about uh, Spiegelman's father. Uh, so the, the, the big obvious running out of time pick, uh, Persepolis. Mm. If you haven't, Marjan Satrapi's Persepolis did get adapted into an animated film, which I think won some honors at Cannes, uh, and also is just an incredible graphic novel about uh, the Iranian Revolution and about uh, her upbringing and is beautifully written and drawn by an author with a super strong singular voice and a great grasp uh, uh, and will will both enchant you with her story and give you a lot of background and information if you don't happen to already know a lot about that area of the world. Uh, so, yeah, lots and lots of good stuff in this category. So glad you dug Mouse. Thank you for uh, for writing in. Please keep sending us your questions with Collider Heroes or Giant Size Heroes, and we promise to get to some of the ones that we skipped. But and next was... week, I'm going to break down every potato format into what movie <laughs> yes! it's like, because I'm so excited by that analogy that just, just happened at us. Next week, more potatoes here on Collider Heroes Giant Size. I'm Amy Dallin. I'm Koi John Rowe. And until next week, stay, stay sweaty. sweaty. Napa know how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General state's pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Today's specials, new Chase Freedom Flex with 3% on dining, including takeout. Now every meal comes with a side of cash back. Learn more at chasefreedom.com. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Restrictions and limitations apply. Offer subject to change.